Hey everybody, you're listening to Living Theology with the Luby Brothers, a podcast dedicated to understanding and living out the gospel. The gospel that brings us to God and transforms us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We are your hosts, Doug, Greg, and Mark Luby. We're taking a bit of a break from our Roman series because we felt like it would be important to discuss the current COVID-19 outbreak. We had an episode that was almost ready to upload and get out, but we just felt like with everything going on right now, this is something that we kind of need to talk about and discuss together. We know it's something that's affecting our lives drastically, affecting your lives drastically, and uh, for some people is more, um, more severe effects of what's going on right now. And so we just wanted to push into this time and talk through what is a biblical framework of our current crisis in our country and in our world. And then what does it look like to trust and live by faith in this season? Honestly, uh, the situation we're in right now for our lives is sort of an unprecedented time. The time that I can most remember that feels like this feels is the 2001 um, September 11th attacks. And those were a time where it just like it just shocked our nation and everything changed. Or I can think of another time, which is the 2008 stock market crash, where that was more on the economic side. But another time where there was just sort of shockwaves throughout the nation. And this feels a little bit like both of those combined in a sense of the fear um, and a lot of talk about uh, danger mixed with economic downturn and just sort of a, a crazy flurry of things going on. So we wanted to ask the question, what does a biblical perspective on this season look like? And would you guys begin us by just helping us get a framework of what categories do we have to think through something like this from the Bible? Mark, that's a good question. One of the things that Dad said a couple of days ago is that in a lot of ways, we live in a culture that doesn't have a framework for this kind of epidemic. Even thinking through how do we isolate for the sake of caring for other people? How do we go and be less interactive, which is already a big problem in our world? Like, we don't need more social distance from one another. Like, oh, that's already a problem that we're dealing with. Physical distance, we definitely need that. But then how do we not be socially isolated and together? And how do we use tech to do that well? But there's just a lot of questions of even just not knowing what's going on, how it plays out. And now if you go back to even the Cold War and people are having to do drills to like sit under tables because a nuclear bomb might be going off. Oh, people that live through that have gone through something that's even scarier. But for people in our generation, this is something that is new that we aren't quite used to. How does this play out? Is this kind of thing normal in the world? And in our time, we haven't seen a lot of things like this. There's been a lot of horror. There's been a lot of terrible things that are going on in genocide. But maybe part of why this is so shocking to us is that it's happening here in the U.S. It's happening worldwide, and we don't quite know what's happening or even what the framework is. So I think just going back to what does Scripture say about this and even the brokenness, fallenness of the world 
and even the different things that are normal. I was looking at Ecclesiastes 3 this week, because that's what we're doing for our Bible study on campus. But it says, for everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And I think there's something that's beautiful in that poem at any time, but especially as we're in a time that's not one that we desire, saying that there are times and places that God has appointed for all of these things, that in it we would seek him, that in it we'd be about his purposes. Verse 11 says that God has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he's put eternity into a man's heart so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So I think there's something in this time that is going to be questioning, like, how is this beautiful? How is this something that can even drive us to seek after God's heart, realizing that all sorts of times he is appointed And even in this time that's different, that's unexpected, what is it that maybe God would do that we might seek him, that we'd see who he is more fully, and that what he does endures forever, that God does all things so that we might fear before him, even when we just don't get what's going on. So I think one of my first thoughts for that question is, in this time, how do we trust that this time is actually from the Lord and seek him in it. Yeah, that's a good way to process it. And I've been kind of, I mean, I'll explain a little bit from the Bible of why it happens, but I think just what are those truths that we hold on to? And um, a couple of those that have been powerful, it's Romans 8.28. I think I've just been holding on to that more and more that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who have been called Mm -hmm. according to his purpose. And I just said, this isn't a circumstance that I'd plan or hope for or desire. It's changed almost every facet of life in a way that feels like a loss and is a loss in different ways, whether it's financially, whether Definitely. it's with a job, whether it's with um, just everyday things like being able to go outside or see your friends or sit down at a coffee shop. And I think I'd miss that you know, as much as I do, <laughs> but you can't go into a coffee shop because more than 10 people would be there. So it's just all those things and yet the prayer that i've been praying is romans eight twenty eight. we know that for those who love god all things work together for good that god would just do unexpected things through these times and through these circumstances that are greater than what my plans were and i'm really believing him for that for myself for my family for people around me and how that's going to look how that's going to play out but that is probably something that i won't perceive yet or plan and yet something I'm trusting God for and that probably you know it might not mean economically things are going to work out for good that doesn't mean that um, everything is going to be okay in that regard or with job it, what it means is that God's going to do something through these circumstances for Christians that's going to be greater than if it didn't happen 
Um, whether we see that all now or on an eternal scale will be determined, but it'll make us more and more like Christ. But earlier in that chapter, though, the context of that leading up to it in Romans 8 is that explaining kind of why these things happen in Romans 8, 18 through 25 says, For I consider the sufferings of this present age are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the cre creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For in this hope we are saved. Or for we know that the whole creation has been growing, groaning in the pains of childbirth until now. And not just creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. It's kind of a long passage, and we've referred to this different times in this podcast, but what it says here is fascinating because it says creation has been subject to futility of sin. That's mm -hmm. what it's talking about, and it's been subject to the bondage of corruption, and so we see that sin has come into the world and fractured every single aspect of the world, and has created bondage, has created disruption, has created death, has created chaos, and, and this is one of those instances where we're seeing something mm -hmm. like a disease. It's not in the original, it's not in the garden, they didn't have diseases, and yet when sin comes in, it fractures it, and it sets the world into chaos, and so as a result of sin in the world, we do see things like this happening, and I think that ultimately what that should do is lead us back to God. One of the verses that's been sticking out to me is in Daniel, or sets of verses. Uh, it's after Daniel's given a revelation of the dream in Daniel 2, and it's sort of his praise of God after God reveals the mystery of the king's dream in his sleep. And in verse uh, Daniel 2, 20 to 22, starting in 20, he says, it says, Dan Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. And this is the part that is just fascinating. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and headed things. He knows what is in the heart, what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. And then he goes on. But that he changes times and seasons is so significant because we're in a time where all of a sudden the times and the seasons have drastically changed. And the reality is God is present in that. This is not some cosmic accident. This is not something that was unknown to God. But God is somehow over this faithful, changing times and seasons. And that's kind of where, I think even from a Christian perspective, what that does is that awakens us and says, this isn't the time to um, disengage from life, but this is a time to engage. God has changed the time and the season. And we have to kind of ask the question, God, what might you be doing in a season like this? What might you be doing in a time like this? And so shifting our conversation from that biblical framework, believing that, yes, this is a result of sin in the world, 
Um, and yet it is not outside of the hands of a loving God who has an intention and a design. And I think, honestly, is stirring in a lot of people's hearts right now an openness and an eagerness, perhaps, for the word. I think even the passages we mentioned may fall with a certain weight now that they didn't before for some people, perhaps because there's a spiritual awakening, and I hope that's the case. And I, I feel, that I sense that personally, that there's sort of this wake-up moment, and I wonder what that might be doing to the church universal across the world, and even to those who are not yet parts of, part of the church who God might be drawing to himself through this season. But shifting this conversation and asking the question, then what does it look like for us to... Um, follow God, follow Christ in the season, and what does it look like to trust him? Going back to what you talked about in Romans 8, Greg, I think there's a great picture for us to think about the suffering in the world in a way that allows us to trust God. Because he talks about the world being in futility, that God has even made it that way as a result of sin coming in. But then he says that the futility that the world is in, the pain that it's going through is like the pains of childbirth, that we also are in the pains of childbirth. And then Jesus actually in John 16 also talks about the pains of childbirth. He says when a woman is giving birth, she has some, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. So in the context of Jesus, it's the last supper right before he's about to die. And he's saying that there's going to be sorrow that's coming, but that he's going to see the disciples again so they can have joy. Um, In the context of Romans 8, He's saying that all of creation is in the pain of childbirth, but it's going to bring forth life. So one of the things that John Piper talks about is there's a big difference between the pain of cancer and the pain of childbirth. And the pain of cancer leads to death. So if you hear someone dying of cancer, it's a horrible thing. But if you're... when in the next like month, month and a half, as I'm hearing Reagan give birth to our daughter, I'm also going to hear horrible screams of pain, but it's going to be different because I know that this is happening so that a baby is going to come and there's a joy that results from the pain that she's going through. Um, now that doesn't mean I'm going to say to Reagan like, Hey, don't worry about it. It's not painful. Just get over it. Just be chipper and happy and pleasant. Because it's going to be horrible pain, but what we believe is that this pain is bringing forth life. And what Romans 8 is saying, what John 16 is saying, is that the pain that is Jesus is going to go through, the pain that all of us go through, ultimately brings forth life. And now, that means even if there's a pain that brings about my own physical death, even a pain that someone that we know dies there's a hope that in Christ all things are working for good. And then Jesus in John 16 says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It's a promise from Christ to his disciples that they will have tribulation and pain in the world. But there's hope because Christ will overcome the world. And we may suffer loss are things that we're going through and desiring are going to be changing 
But I think what I love here is that Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. My peace is not ultimately in my situation. It's not in my health. It's not in the stock market. In me, in Christ, we have peace. And so I think for us in this time where we're so used to finding peace in finances, in health, in the ability to freely do what we want, all of that is being taken away. So how do I have peace with so many of these good things being taken away? Oh, I want to go to Christ, who is my ultimate source of peace. So I think that's just one of the things I'm trying to wrestle through is what does it look like in my life to actually seek peace in Christ in the midst of unknown, fear, frustration, trusting that all the pain that's going on is the pains of childbirth bringing forth life. And kind of along those lines of what you're talking about, Doug, just having this season lead us to Christ. I think that's something I've been thinking through a lot. And, and one way that I think that can happen is we have a lot of things exposed in the season. That's kind of the way I've been thinking about it. For and sure. there's a lot that can be exposed from uh, maybe our fears that we have. Uh, a lot of things can be exposed probably with where we're looking for security and comfort and often things like retirement accounts crashing. I think that can easily expose, oh, I'm looking to retirement really for hope and security in a way that Christ is meant to be. And it's not a bad thing to have retirement accounts, but it can easily be an idol and it can easily be something that we were looking there. Once I retire and I have enough money, then I'll be happy. Then I'll feel comfortable. Then I'll feel secure finally. Um, maybe it's that we have more flexible time and we're realizing that it's harder to abide in Christ than we thought <laughs> and, and mm -hmm. instead of going to Christ we go to other things more easily and Netflix yeah Netflix TV media or we don't have sports anymore and suddenly we just kind of feel empty and mm -hmm. there can be all these things that are exposed in the season and I think that that's really actually a blessing from the Lord in different ways because he's bringing these things to the surface and this can be a time where we really focus on those things and yet the way that we focus on them isn't just thinking okay I need to do better I need to try harder but it's seeing the ways that we fall short of Christ and letting that lead us to our need for Jesus and letting that lead us to repentance and our complete need for God's forgiveness of our sins and our embrace of God's forgiveness of our sins and that he has died for those that he saw those he knew the ways we fall short and so letting us see our need for repentance let us go to the foot of the cross to embrace god's love and forgiveness but then also letting that lead us to believing that what god has is way better for us and the ways that we've been finding security what god has for us is way greater right now than that trusting him that he'll meet our needs every day just like he says he'll do in Matthew 6, and we're just called to seek first his kingdom. There's way more joy in that than finding joy in money, believing that the abiding in Christ is way greater joy and depth than Netflix. And so some of those things let us lead that right to our need for Christ, but also the greater life that's found in Christ. Yeah. Greg, I like uh, just a number of the, issues that are really relevant that you're addressing because i think for some people it's going to be what do i do with this flexible time i now have 
For some people, it's going to be the anxiety of what do I do with these burdens that I'm now experiencing? Perhaps it's loss of a job. Perhaps it's loss of a loved one. Perhaps it's personal sickness. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some people, it's going to be, I mean, just all sort. there's going to be all sorts of stories that will essentially emerge from this season. And one of the things I've been challenging my students with, and personally, as I haven't been able to see them in person, but been able to meet online through Zoom, uh, sort of my challenge in this season right now for myself and for others has been kind of this question of what will your story be? Because everyone's going to have a story that comes out of this season. Um, for some people, their story is going to be when this hit, I encountered major loss. Maybe I lost a loved one. Maybe I lost my job. Maybe I lost, um, I mean, maybe they'll, you, maybe it's you lose your life. You know, like we, we don't know. Nothing's super predictable at this moment. Um, there could be, there's going to be stories of loss. There's going to be stories of this was a season where some people will say, I just spent way too much time playing video games and watching Netflix. Um, there's going to be people who come out of this season who will say, uh, I fought with my family or my housemates or the people I was around a lot. Or for some people, maybe they're isolated. And I felt so isolated in that season. For some people, they're going to say, that was a time that maybe I fought with my family, but God used it for really actually some good things. And it brought about healing in our family. And I was able to engage with those around me in new ways. For some people, it's going to be, I tried so hard to be productive and the Lord shut down my productivity. And I had to reevaluate my true identity and what gave me worth. For some people, it's going to be shifting their places and their locations. I think of many missionaries right now who are likely going to have to be moving out of where they are or will be leaving um, lands. There's going to be all sorts of different stories that will emerge from this season. And essentially my challenge for myself and for us is this question of what will your story be? Um, How do we intentionally engage in a season like this. Some of the verses of scripture that I just think are just jumping off the page. I mean, we know the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, but I feel like I taste it and feel it and I'm cut by it, particularly by certain passages. Like I shared the Daniel one about changing times and seasons, Doug, your Ecclesiastes one, Greg, the earth groaning and the pains of childbirth, the world groaning. But this one for me is just astounding. James 4, 13. And on, come now you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. And I pair that, and those words just seem to jump off, but I pair that idea of you're a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes with a similar idea expressed in First Peter from Isaiah, which is all flesh is grass. All flesh is grass. But then it goes on and we learn, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. And this idea of what we do for Christ and his kingdom is eternal and there's something about this season that i think is exposing the fleeting nature of life that we are mist we are grass we are flesh you can make plans and have the greatest plans and all of a sudden they're brought to nothing i'm experiencing that right now 
we had plans as a student ministry to go on a spring break trip and to meet weekly. Both of those are not happening at the moment. We were planning to uh, go on a mission trip. That's gone. It's off the, it's off. And it's just these things that I was excited for and I had planned for and I'd prepared for all of a sudden are just gone. And I just asked this question personally, like what is actually in my hands in this season to be responsible for? How do I honor Mm -hmm. God in this? And that's just like where I'm personally challenged. I think one honest thing that it's revealing in me is, is I think I often um, do feel a need to fulfill a certain quota of productivity and ability to do things. Um, and something that's being exposed to me right now, I think is this, um, I feel like I need to do enough and be enough. And I think I'm learning in new ways right now how to rest in God and even how to engage in prayer. Not that I'm no longer thinking, oh, I should engage in things, but I'm like, I need you, God. Like, yeah. you, your plans will succeed. And I've wanted to be more faithful in prayer. And now God's, I feel like, pushing and nudging in some ways of like, all right, do that. Like, I've wanted to engage more with the people around me. And I live in a home with a number of people. And it's like, I feel like in the season, God's saying, okay, here's your opportunity. Like, um, and so I'm, I'm just personally being challenged by that. What will your story be? What's your story? What story are you writing? How you want to say it? But yeah, what are some of you guys' thoughts with that? Mark, I really like that question. What will your story be? Ever, ever since hearing you ask that a couple of days ago, I've been thinking through that in my own life. And even just my default in a situation like this is to gather in as much information as I possibly can. And some gathering of information and figuring out what is the government asking us to do and what are the things that are going on is helpful. But I've just been taking in so much content that it's just making me anxious. So part of it is like, I need to stop doing this and engage in ways that are healthy, in ways that are pointing me towards the Lord and other people. And I think part of what I want for my story in this season to be is to rest, engage in the Lord, seek him, be in prayer, like you're saying, and then to be as intentional as I can to engage with others. Um, and yeah, just culturally, that's something that already we're struggling with of so much loneliness. And now it's a season where that could just be amplified. But... I do live here with my wife and we do have opportunities to connect. So I think, and thinking about the students who are in our ministry, I want to be intentional and engage with them and look for alternative ways to still be involved in people's lives. So as I think through what I want my story to be for this time is that I would stop and evaluate what am I really giving myself to? Am I seeking the Lord himself Or am I just wanting good things from God and to feel like I'm productive in ministry and I'm seeking him to be like healthy and all these different things? Or is it like Jesus himself is my peace? And then I want my story in this time to be that I'm outward and seeking others. And it's hard for me to work from home, which is what we're currently doing. I'm just not as productive in this situation. I don't really like online communication. But that's going to be part of what I'm doing. So even going back to Ecclesiastes 3, where it talks about enjoying our work as a gift from God. I want to see my work that I have right now, not just as this is a frustrating thing I have to deal with, but even the altercations that are happening here. It's a season for me to trust the Lord, engage with him and be outward. Um, 
So I think, how can I shift from just doing a bunch of things that make me more anxious and make me feel more like self-consumed and in a downward spiral to being outward, focusing my eyes on Christ and others. That's what I want my story to be. But it's easy, even just at normal times, for my eyes to be just in on myself. Yeah. Doug, I think I think some of what you're saying there too, that outward focus is so key. Because I think this would be an easy season to be inward focused. And sort of like, okay, we're social distancing on my own. I'm just going to take care of me. But it's like, no, 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 no. Like, who has God placed in your life to love? And it, like, it... It is the reality, like we're wanting to honor the government and their what they're asking us to do. We're wanting to honor others. And this question of what does it look like to love your neighbor as yourself is something that we have to evaluate really in some nuanced ways right mm-hmm. now because we are not, you know, meeting as large groups. We're not meeting as church. I'm not meeting with lots of amounts of people. And so everything that we do, it doesn't mean that we aren't going to take any risk, but every risk we take should be calculated. And it may actually be unloving for us to go and give people our presence, like to be there. Um, And that's where I think there can even be a tendency. And Greg, Greg, I want to get to some of your insights on this for a moment in a moment. But I think there can be a tendency even among the younger crowds right now and perhaps among different crowds. And I say that because I'm part of it. So we're we're good Um, to think I'm fine. I'm not concerned. (laughs) But if they decide to carry on their life as they did before, that may actually have detrimental effects on their community and the people around them and on the world. And they may be conduits of spreading a disease. And so, like, even there, I'm personally challenged because it's like, okay, for me, loving my neighbor right now is not giving my presence as many places as I can. It's actually probably staying back, but then engaging intentionally where I am. But then even the question of what does calculated risk look like? And that's where we have to think through, honestly, there may be people around us who do have needs. Maybe it's elderly people who are there. Are there ways that you can help at-risk people? Um, by providing for them in your grocery shopping, things like that. I haven't figured that out yet. I'm still trying to work through that and ask those questions. But I think there can be an easy, like you're saying, Doug, inward. But that's never what we're called to as Christians. We're we're to be wise in our dealings, but never just internal. Yeah, I think it's so easy to be internal always. But now is the time where... If we can, if we live inwardly, it's just going to make things worse. Um, yeah. But I think along those lines of Mark, what you're saying, even that social responsibility. One of the questions is, what does it look like to live by faith? And sometimes there's a thought of, oh, if I live by faith, I'll be fine. God knows the future anyway, so we'll be good. Um, but faith is not a lack of wisdom. <laughs> faith even includes following. The restrictions that our governments put on us so if you look at romans 13 it talks about submitting to the government so part of having faith now is to obey the leaders that god has put in in place above us and to follow what they're asking us to do so part of having faith right now actually means i'm gonna trust the lord with a less productive less relational less free schedule that I have ahead and trust him so that I can be faithful in the situations that he's confined me in now. Um, So faith doesn't just mean boldness apart from any reason. There's a wisdom that goes together with this. So faith and wisdom together leading us forward to trust the Lord. 
Greg, as you think through what you want your story to be, what would you say for that for this time? I think that kind of what I was uh, just talking about earlier, the things that are exposed, I think I began to see some of those um, things exposed in my own life, whether it's difficulty abiding in Christ or challenges that maybe I didn't see were there before. And so I think that, like you were saying, just depth and love for Christ and walk with Christ and um, greater desire for the Word of God and depth in the Word of God and experiencing new joy and intimacy in walking deeper with Christ through the Word, through prayer, through um, that. And also I think a big thing as we were talking about too is how do you what messages are you giving to those around you? And I've heard a lot of people kind of comically talking about the difficulty of being at home with kids or how there's a lot of marriage problems now because people are spending so much time together. And so just what messages am I communicating to my family constantly and how am I caring for them, loving them well? What am I communicating to them about them, about, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just about the way that I feel about them or, the way I care for them and love them because it's one of those times where it'll be amplified one way or another. Yeah. So in conclusion, the reality is we're in a unique situation of life, something that in our lifetime we haven't encountered before. And even as we talk about what will the effects of this be, this is not going to be a short season. This is going to be a shift in our world for time to come. And, This is going to be a time for those who live through to tell the coming generations of what was it like to live during that time. And every single person is going to have a story from this season. And so even just that challenge, I think, is where I'm I'm ending and where I would leave the encouragement of what will your story be? Um, How can we personally engage with God in this season in a new way? What opportunities does he have for that? Uh, How can we engage with those who are around us? who are maybe living with or living right near in love and care for them, friends and family far away who we can connect to because of, um, so because of the technology. And then what does it look like to meaningfully engage in the world in this time? And those are kind of three mm-hmm. questions to ask. What does it look like for you to personally engage with the Lord? What does it look like for you to engage with those who are right around you? And then what? how can we actually meaningfully serve? There's, there's good reason to believe there's going to be a lot of needs surfacing and arising in this season and coming out of it. And it's probably not going to be a quick fix, but perhaps this is a time where God is awakening in us and his church and in the world and those who have not even yet come to know Christ um, a new season and and our, our hope actually isn't that we just step out of the season and return to our normal, but my hope is actually that this would be creating something in God's people that is new and is different, and it would be shaping the world and returning or, or preparing the world for Christ and his return. And so that's what we're trying to hold to and believe, and we hope the same for you all. And, yeah, love you guys. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We hope it's of encouragement to you and that you join us next time for another discussion. The music excerpts for this podcast come from the song Enthusiast by Tours, which is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. More information can be found in the show notes.